Welcome back for another episode of the Think Deeper podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Will Harib, uh, joined by Jack and Joe Wilkie. We've got a lot of exciting things going on at Focus Press that we want to fill you guys in on. Um, there is one thing that I wanted to bring up, though, uh, a note from uh, last episode. Um, I made a comment that was well-received by some, not well-received by others, so I wanted to address it. I do very much appreciate all the support on my position that soup is not a meal. I know that got us into some <laughs> some controversial hot water with that take. Um, is hot water but, a uh, meal? <laughs> ah. But I, I just want the, wanted the, the deep thinkers to know I stand my ground on that. I still don't think it's a meal. But I very much appreciate everybody's feedback. It was a one of our more interesting debates, I think, because we haven't gotten into a lot of just heavy, hard-hitting debates. But anyway. That's I'm going to be honest about this podcast is, you know what? Sometimes you're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be honest. Guy. I didn't know you didn't you didn't tell us how you're going to start this. And when you started this, when you're like, <laughs> I had, I said, um, yeah, I did I'm that like, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what in the world did he say? I was racking my brain thinking, thinking back. Um, yeah, no, you're wrong on that, but that's OK. That's OK. We still love you. Yeah, so, I'm right on everything else. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll this give you that one. Yeah. The insight and things. But uh, Joe, I think you've got you've got something you want to bring up again. A lot of exciting things going on at Focus Press. So, Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we had talked about last week, uh, Jack had said at the end of the podcast, I, I have a brand new podcast called the Get Out of Porn podcast. Uh, it is not a it is not intended to be the end all be all uh, for porn. It's a 15 minute podcast, but that's intended to be for the young men, for the guys with short attention spans that, you know, aren't going to sit down and listen to an hour of me just rant and talk. Um, so, hey, if you if you have somebody who's struggling with it, even if not, it can give you a better understanding of the addiction itself. And so I'd encourage our listeners to check that out. Um, number two, we have a new video up. We're starting a new video series called Focus on the Word. I've taken them. I'm going to encourage uh, Jack and Will to maybe take some for me as well. Yeah, Focus on the Word is, is what it's called. So check out our YouTube page. What it is is just trying to teach exegesis, basically. But exegesis, of course, is you read the entire book, and there's different things. This is just breaking down passages and showing some connections and, and some fun things. And so... Um, I'd encourage our, uh, we, we put out the promo video, but I'd encourage our listeners to go check that out and we will be releasing one every week. I don't think we've come up with a date, uh, a day per se, but we're going to try to release one per week. And, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll encourage it's, our listeners to go there. It's, it's really good stuff. I, Joe has sent us it. some of, some of the ones that he's put together and just the, the ability that you have to sit down with this video, to have your Bible open, to have your Bible markers or pens or whatever it is that you use and kind of follow along and, and you know, maybe just make some connections with with certain wording in the text or themes that you just hadn't made before. Super cool. It's We're really hoping that it's going to be an effective tool for Bible study for, again, individuals, couples, families, whatever. So uh, not to completely echo everything Joe said, go check that pro promotional video out. It's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to, to, the, to the weekly releases. I'm going to tack on to that. Follow our Instagram, uh, Focus Press Inc. Inc. Because we're going to be doing a lot of video on there. We're going to share some article, or I mean, some uh, uh, images. You know, the quote images from our, our podcasts and all that. But it's going to be a really good way to kind of get notified about this stuff. And uh, yeah, just uh, another way to do it. So not to throw too much at you at the same time. You can check that out on YouTube, but it's going to go up on our Instagram as well. I know we got a lot of Instagram users. That's another way you can follow us. Keep up with especially the video content we're trying to roll out, starting with Focus on the Word. All right, gentlemen, anything uh, anything else that we want to say? I will say the Instagram. Yeah, follow us because we got a couple other things. We, we keep saying this, but we do. We got a lot coming up. 
I, th I think um, there's only one post on there right now, but uh, that will change. Yeah, that will change. That's shortly. exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. So be hey, be on the uh, the front end. You can be a hipster. The think deepers are, are all going to be hipsters and deep uh, get in deep thinkers. Deep Joe. thinkers deep. is that what I said? What did I say? Think you said think deepers. <laughs> think deepers. The same uh, thing. I think we're the same think thing. deepers, and they're the deepers. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes. So um, with that, we're gonna we're gonna get into the episode. So this week we want to get into a topic that uh, has been on my mind for the last little while. Something that's really frustrated me. I've been telling the guys maybe we should do a think fast, um, but we were thinking about topics that we wanted to cover and. This one came back around, and it's this idea of quiet quitting and Christians in the workplace. Now, I've, I've used this uh, term quiet quitting a few times, just checked in with people of, are you familiar with what's going on? Are you aware? And I've had a few come back and be like, what in the world is quiet quitting? And you may have seen the term, you may not know what it means, but quiet quitting is basically when you're giving the bare minimum at your work. You're not actually quitting your job, but you're giving the bare minimum, look, I don't get paid enough for this, I'm... I'm overworked and so I'm going to quiet quit. I'm going to scale back the output and the effort and just give the bare minimum of what I think I am worth or what they're actually paying me for. And so we're seeing this a lot. We're seeing it more with millennial culture, but it really is going around. If you're familiar, if you're on Twitter or any of the, um, I don't know, the typical internet social media places, I don't know that it's as big on Facebook, but you're definitely seeing it in other places. Um, it's really frustrating to me. We're going to get into that this episode, so that's what I want to talk about. But this rose to the to the, the the top for me over the weekend. I was flying out. We were flying on an airline. Their machine was down, so um, to check in, and so we had to check in in person. And bag gets up on the scale, and I asked the woman. I said, "Do you mind if I? I know it's at forty pounds. We can't go over forty. Um, but I have a book. Is it okay if I if I put the book in, or is that going to be a problem? You know, just ask him. Because I was fine carrying it through." Anyway, the, the quote was, what did she say? I, I don't care. Um, I don't get paid enough to care, is what she said. And it just had this, like, real flippant attitude toward the airline that she worked for. And I'm thinking, well, you took the job. And why would you not do it to the best of your ability but this I don't care? And it worked out for me. I mean, she let me put the book in, which is nice of her. But the that phrase, I don't get paid enough to care, really stuck with me. And that really frustrated me. Guys, have you... I'll throw it to you. Have you seen this? I imagine we all have personal stories here. You may see it even going through McDonald's, whatever it is. But um, are you seeing this? Is this just me that's getting bent out of shape about this? Or are you seeing this? No, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, it's the I don't want to get too political here, but the struggles over the last two or three years of you know going to places that have 10, 12 open tables and, um, you know, there's a 20-minute wait just because they can't get the people to show up. Um, the people, you know, there's just the, the quality of service overall, stuff like that, I feel like has gone down quite a bit. And again, you could attribute that to a lot of things, but it really speaks to this idea of what we want to talk about with this episode of the misunderstanding, even among Christians about work. And so, you know, we want to address this quiet quitting stuff. There, there's some other issues we want to talk about with work, but to answer your question, Joe, yeah, I, I think, I think you'd be blind not to see it. And, you know, I'd typically think that um, young people tend to get bashed a little bit too much most of the time. But for this one, this typically is a younger generation problem. This you, this is typically the, the 20 to 30 year old that again, like you just said, I don't get paid enough to care. Uh, you know, this is, you know, or not my job culture is another one, right? Well, that's not my job. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, the let me do the absolute bare minimum that I possibly can 
in order to keep my job, but I'm not even going to think about going above and beyond the do, doing things to your, the best of your ability. That's, that's, that's a thing of the past. So yeah, to answer your question, I think you'd be blind not to see it. You're really seeing this in fast food places, which is where kids work, right? And I know neither of you frequent fast foods near as much as I do. I probably shouldn't, but driving through Dixon, um, Tennessee, and we go to a Wendy's. The line is pretty long, but you know, in the past it's moved pretty well. It's taken a while. We really wanted Wendy's. And the other thing is, you know, some of the other options there just did not sound very good. And it's like, okay, it moves fairly fast. We've been here before. We're sitting there. We're sitting there. We're sitting there. What is happening? Finally, it's our turn. It's one of those, like, multiple times you look at, I looked at Alyssa, like, should we leave? She's like, ah, let's give it another minute. Or I'd be like, okay, let's give it another minute. And then we'd move a little bit. Just enough to hope, right? And it's like, okay, we're moving. And you sit there for five minutes, okay? If we don't move by this time, and sure enough, we'd move by that time. So anyway, we get to the front. There's two guys running the entire operation. Wow. Two guys. They said four people called out of work. So no wonder why the line was so long. They shut down. There was a Taco Bell in the area. They shut down for the day because, sorry, we can't get any work. Nobody wants to work. So the Taco Bell, this was like noon. We drove by. The thing was closed because they can't get anybody to work. This is ridiculous. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of Christians falling into this thinking that it's okay to quiet quit. It's okay to call out of work because, hey... It's very much demonizing the 1%, right? We're, we're working for the man, and they don't appreciate us. Well, that's the other side of it, of, you know, especially when you work for a mega corporation of, you know what, Walmart's not going to miss it if I do that. You know, if I take a half-hour bathroom break on my, on my pay time, uh, you know, like, they're good for it. It's not a big deal to them. And, you know, that's where people can justify stealing a little bit from the job. Oh, I'm going to take a little bit home. I'm going to, you know, and, and so those things happen. Um and just kind of this sense of they're owed. They've got more money than me, and so I, you know, I'm not getting paid that. Like you said, the person I don't get paid enough to care. Like you do get paid. It is your job. Like that's that's literally what you are paid for. And if you don't like it, don't take the job. But like accepting this is the work that's before you. And whether it's Taco Bell, whether it's an airline employee, whether whatever job it is you're in, anybody can justify that that idea. And so you you say you know. Is this something you're seeing? I think everyone's seeing it, and that's why you have that term being coined, quiet quitting. We don't coin terms for something that happened twice. Right, right. You know, we, we, it's this observable phenomenon. The other thing, I've seen somebody kind of conspiracy theorize that the whole, um, the Karen meme a few years ago, like, talk to the manager, complain about the service, was basically people prepping for, you know, conditioning us to accept lower uh standards of service you know like well nobody wants to be the karen and you know like again it's it's just a theory somebody's throwing out there like i don't think there was any coordinated effort to that but i do think it's something people use of hey you're not doing your job you're not fulfilling your work oh what are you a karen for noticing like no no it there should be a standard there should be an expectation here and and so, as you're saying, for Christians, this is a really important thing. And and on the positive side of this, as as you were kind of introducing this idea for us and sent us the outline, one of the things that came to my mind is this is a great opportunity for Christians, for us to go out into a workplace that doesn't care, that's not trying, that's not applying themselves, right. to really stand out, to rise up. I mean, you look at somebody like uh, Joseph in the Bible or Daniel, you know, these guys that went, put their head down, were honest, hard workers. They and, excelled and, everywhere you know, they went. The opportunities yeah. that came to them. Right. Yeah, they excelled. Including prison. Um, yeah, faithful in all things. And, and so, you know, yeah, captivity, prison, all those things. And, uh, you know, just... 
whatever that they were given to do, they did it. And and so in this culture that is very get by with the minimum, quiet quitting, you know, less work, as least work as possible, going above and beyond really sets you apart. And those places that you go, you know, that's why Chick-fil-A has a great reputation. Smiling kids, working really hard, putting in a good shift and going home, that that makes a difference. I, um, you know, I'll just give my story briefly and then we'll get into the issues you've outlined for us. Uh, I go to a local coffee shop we've talked about a few times. In the first couple years that I went there, same crew, pretty consistently, you know, people that were running it, managing it, real nice people. They all kind of moved on, graduated, went to different jobs. Since then, they've gone through like 30 people. And they only have two or three people working at a time. And But just like they can't keep people. They just move them on, move on. And, you know, the ones that actually are good employees get hired on to bigger, better opportunities because people right. are desperate for people who actually work. But there's so many people that come in and, and are just gone within a week or two because they're they're terrible. They can't be counted on. They don't show up or whatever. And so you just see it everywhere. So you've got five key issues we're going to work through on this one. Um, of our attitude towards work, I guess, is kind of the... The general thought, because there's a, a, what we want to do with all this, the idea of a Christian worldview is everything that we do is under God's lordship. We did that episode on worldview a while back. And so to get our, our view towards work, and most of the people who listen to us probably work. I know some people listen with their kids or with their teens in the car. And so this is going to be very useful if you have kids or if you are a teenager of developing that work ethic. I think before we get to that, as a kid growing up in school, I viewed work as a bad thing. And maybe this is this leads into your first point. We work for the weekend, right? We, we view work as a means to an end. Like, this is what I have to do to supply the life that I want to go enjoy, right? Well, everybody's working for the weekend. You kind of learn that. Yeah, everybody's working for the weekend. Loverboy. Yeah. All okay. right there, <laughs> Loverboy or, or whoever the, yeah. was that who the band was? Yeah, Loverboy. The 80s song. Um, Sorry, but you to. learn that as a kid of like, I got to go to work, you know, go to school all week, trudge through it. And on the weekend, I get to have fun at night in the afternoon. I get to have fun. And, and this part of my life is the necessary evil. Almost. I think that's the working for the weekend thing is the necessary evil thing. Well, that's full. That's furthered, I should say, by the culture. Right. You know, all the songs about how much fun the weekend is, uh, you know, the, the pop songs, the country songs, all the, you know, all, let's face it, if you're a sports guy. Uh, for football, it's, it happens on the weekend. And so working for the weekend is something that a lot of, like you're saying, a lot of kids, a lot of people kind of grow up thinking, oh, well, that's just what you do. You know, you work your Monday to Friday, nine to five, and then you get to you get to have, have fun on the weekend. And I will say, this is something that I've had to, to check myself on. You know, you know, when Monday rolls around, it's like, man, I'm just really looking forward to, to spending some time with the family on the weekend, watching football, whatever it is. And, you know, we're not trying to say that you, you know, shouldn't look forward to that or that you can't, right. you know, want to enjoy time with your family on the weekend or whatever. But I think the, the overall point that, Joe, I'll hand it off, back off to you here in a second, is we're no longer, you know, thinking about work in the way that God intended us to think about work. We're not thinking about That's it right. in a... We're thinking about it in a well. I guess we have to, so I guess we'll do it in a compulsory, in a, in a compulsive, compulsory. Is that the right word, right term? Manner rather than no. This is something that's expected of us. This is something that you can be fulfilled in. This is something that you can even find joy in. Right? You don't see that a lot. You don't see a lot of people finding joy in their work. You don't see a lot. Of, you don't see a lot of people that are truly fulfilled in their work. And obviously, there could be a lot of things that go into that. Um, but we don't. We we work for the weekend. We, we don't work for work's sake. And Joe, I want to hand it back to you to go back to the garden. The very first time right. that work was, was really 
established by God. Get us into that a little bit. Yeah, so Genesis 2.15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. This is before the fall. This is even before Eve has been created. Before he even has a, a partner in life, before he even has a wife, God has given him work to do. It was fulfilling. It was good. It's what helped bring him closer to God, clearly, because God's not going to give him anything that's going to take him further from him. The What I wanted to challenge most with this podcast is just this idea that work is a quote-unquote four-letter word. Yes, it's four letters long, but we all know it, it's not a curse word. It is not a bad thing. This goes back to the very beginning of time God gave Adam purpose, and within our work is purpose. Those who want to get rich and and you know get rich quick kind of get rich quick schemes but also you see all these kids they want to be youtubers right we see multi-level marketing um mlm and and you know the pyramid schemes and such and and that's more of the previous generation i think youtube and these these pop stars tiktok stars is the new TikTok multi-level stars, marketing right yeah i think it's new multi-level marketing these days i think you have the upper echelon who actually do get rich doing it and i think you suck in a lot of kids that think that they're going to get rich doing it and they're the ones that provide the fodder for, and, and really the money for the upper echelon, because they're watching the Mr. Beast going, oh, how am I going to be? You're never going to be Mr. Beast. You're never going to have 100 million YouTube subscribers. I'm sorry. Well, that's the other funny thing about it is you see any interview with Mr. Beast, that guy worked night and day for years to get to the point. I mean, like, outward. Literally, it's like every, 15 hours a day. Yeah, for years. I mean, seven days a week. Yeah, to get to that point. And so it looks, oh, you just turned on the camera and made a video and, and now he's really fun. rich. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I That's mean, right. this was research. This was trial and error. This was really applying himself. And, and there's no get rich quick. There's no shortcut. There's no. And so, yeah, it's kind of that I'll do this and I get to rest from it and, and just get to enjoy all, you know, basically on an entitlement sense a little bit. Um, but go ahead, Joey. And I think they flip they they flip the look at God in creation, right? Work six days, rest on the seventh. Is it okay to rest on the weekend? Yes, it is. I think God created it for that reason. Notice he worked six days and not five, but either way. With that though, sorry, you got some. God created and then rested, but it's been pointed out before, and I might have even said it on the show. Adam was created the sixth day. His first full day on earth was rest, and then it was to work. And so God rested from work. Mm-hmm. Adam worked from rest. And so you rest to provide you the the energy to go work. You know, he, his mm. mission was to work. His mission was not here to sit back, kick back, eat the fruit of the garden, and just live the easy life. And I think we, we do that kind of with retirement, too. Working for the weekend is a short-term version of what retirement is, is a long-term thing. I'm just going to work, 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 mm-hmm. work, 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 hit this point, and then I don't have to do nothing. Uh, and and right. that's going to be the real enjoyable part of life. And, man... I don't know. You you just see like the health decline of people who reach a certain point and then just sit on the couch yes. watching TV all day. How bad it is for you. And so even in your retirement, you know, keeping on working, the people who live longer, healthier, you know, do better are the people who find some kind of fulfilling work to do. It might not be working for a company like they did their whole career, but still serving, doing, working, applying themselves. And so the the working for the weekend mindset is a microcosm of the broader lifestyle thing that we think, which, again, goes so counter to Adam's creation. Right. And we think that those who work really hard, that have to work really hard, are just noobs. They just haven't figured it out yet. If you were really smart, your money would be working for you. And so you would get super rich and be able to sit down on your, you know, on your bum for the rest of your life because that's what the really successful people do. It's like that's absolute garbage. 
And this is why I'm going to, here's, here's how it takes with Joe. I'm going to go out <laughs> on a limb here. Oh boy. All of those people that go to college so they can extend adolescence because they don't want to work and they want to figure out the easiest path to work and they're going to figure out the job that's going to make them a hundred grand coming out where you work two days a week. Please stop. And please stop looking down on the blue collar. It's kind of stop funny down the blue, my, you say this on the day that crypto, as we're recording this, just crashed. I mean, like beyond belief and I think Bitcoin's under 18,000 yeah. or whatever. And uh, there's still some people at that level who have made a lot of money on it. But that's something that, you know, the three of us have invested in. We've kind of kept up with. It's one of those things you can get big eyes thinking, oh, I'm going to invest in the right coin. And this I'm going to be it. I'm going to be set this for life. <laughs> there's very and, few. And it's just not right. And and so my point, you know, my dad is blue collar. He worked in sewers, water and sewer. And I think he got there was people that looked at he always had a chip on his shoulder from it and i think it was legit i think there's a lot of people that look down on oh you work in the sewer oh oh yeah well you know do you have a college degree no i don't have college. wow my dad's the smartest guy i know okay he's learned and learned and learned and learned does he have a a letter behind his name did he get his bachelor's degree no he didn't and ultimately he was better off for it my dad owned a company of 60 plus people like just sold it for a pretty good profit so it's not wrong to be blue collar my dad always had a great quote we're going to get into this a little more later but his whole point was, you don't always get to love what you, or you don't always get to do what you love. Learn to love what you do. My dad was the best backhoe operator in Denver because you know what? He loved doing it. Did he like the the cold nights where he got called out on an emergency at 11 p.m. and, and had to go sludge through sewer a sewage? No, but he was really good at what he did, and he took pride in that, and he grew to be the biggest company in Denver for what he did because of that mat- uh, that attitude. So what we're calling Christians to is... These people that never enjoy their work, that are just living for the weekend, and it's just a means to an end. Well, I guess I have to work to, you know, to fund my fun lifestyle. What if you found more purpose in your work? What if you stopped looking at work as a four-letter word, as a bad thing, as as a problem, and started looking at as this is God's design? Well, for I'm going to go ahead and, and call some people out too. Think about how many memes and jokes are on Facebook about stuff like this, right? Like, oh, here comes Monday, and oh, you know, Friday afternoon, here's Friday night, our next couple days, you know, it's just the the poking fun at it, and again, not trying to put an embargo on, on fun memes or anything like that, but I think we, we further this idea quite a bit in, in culture, with our social media, with our, just like we kind of take jabs at our spouse sometimes, when I say it's the collective we, not us three, but people kind of take jabs at their spouse, right, and, and it's all in fun, we do the exact same thing with work. You know, like, oh my goodness, you know, me Sunday night right before work starts on Monday and it's, you know, this sad meme or whatever. We do this a lot. This is something that that I think a lot of Christians can be guilty of adding to. And again, not not that all fun is bad or anything like that, but this is something that God has always intended us to work. God, a lot of people mistakenly think, Joe, as you've already pointed out, that work was a punishment for sin. No, it wasn't. Work was a part of man's life before sin even entered the picture. The punishment was that the work would be harder, that his, that his toil would be would be tougher. And so we've got to get back, whether it be on social media or Facebook, whether it be the way that we teach our kids, whether it be the jokes we make from the pulpit, whatever it is, we've got to get back to, to viewing work in a much more positive light, in a much more God-given light, rather than, well, this is something that I just have to put up with until I can hit the age of retirement, like Jack pointed out, or, man, you just got to bear, you just got to bear through it you know, Monday through Friday, but man, you enjoy those two weekend days. We got to stop viewing it like that. And I think, again, that's really where we're going with this part of the episode. So there's this view. I'm, I'm going to skip a point on our outline that we can come back to the next one, because I think these things are two sides of a coin is we are so identity obsessed as a people. 
of you know, who I am and, and what I am and, and what my identity is and, and who I claim to be, right, as the individualism and, and just kind of like trying to create a persona of ourselves that we want to stand behind and say, here's who I am in, in a way that is just kind of weird sometimes. And I don't think we appreciate how weird it is because it's what everyone's trying to do. And so there's two sides that can take is if you're in a job that you can hate or that you hate, or again, in school as a kid, I was I was this way. You view the rest and recreation part of your life as your real life, right? Like that's who I really am. That's where I really pour myself into. That's where where me, where I, my identity comes out is what I do in those times. And whether it's your your weekend activities, you go camping, hunting, fishing, hiking, you know, uh, outdoors, or it's you know stuff around the house with the family and good things, really good things. Not, nothing wrong with them, you know. Uh, at church time, things like that that you do on the weekends, that's great. Um, you kind of think that's who I am and who I work is just kind of who I become for this, the, the set amount of hours in a week that I need to do in order to afford to be who I really am the rest of the time. The other side of that is somebody would look at that and go, well, that's no good. I've got to find a job and only take a job in which I can find my identity in. And and so I'm going to you chase your dreams and, and you've got to, you know, really, really, uh, you know, find something, find a job that you love, find a job that you're, you're passionate about. Like, it's so utopian because I remember a few years ago, Chipotle had on their bags, you know, like some commie gobbledygook about, you know, someday we're, we're all just, nobody's going to have to work. We're all going to just, you know, sit and eat good food. It's like, okay, well, who's making the burritos? Who's picking the right. rice? Who's picking the beans? Who's cooking the beef? You know, like somebody has to work and, and somebody's going to work a job that's not that glamorous. Folding burritos might not be that glamorous, but if you're going to eat a burrito, you've got to get all the stuff that's going to get it there. And so uh, this idea, you know, the same thing, like you're saying, talking about cleaning sewers, somebody's got to be the plumber. Somebody's got to pick up the garbage. And I mean, Mike Rowe has made a whole career off of this, of following people around right. saying, hey, here's these jobs people don't want to do, but hey, some of them actually pay pretty good. Has to get done. Yeah, yep. and, and it has to get done to make a society go. I mean, there's so many things. Again, as you said, guys digging holes, repairing sewers, uh, power lines when the ice storms hit, things like that. Uh, just driving a truck. You know how many, uh, we've probably got people listening in a truck right now. That might not be the glamorous job that somebody anticipated in high school, but you can make good money. You can support a family on it. And and yet we've got this generational thing of you got to chase your dreams and you've got to just, you know, really work at it until you, you, you get that dream job because your identity is in your job and so you need your identity to be glamorous. Well, no, you're, what if your identity is in doing hard work to all of your might of, yeah, of whatever it is that's in front of you? We're, we're kind of all over the outline here, but I, 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 I want to say something about chase your dreams culture, which is always... Yeah, let's go to that one. Let's go yeah. to that one. So for those, yeah, we'll try to outline now, this. Now, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I said we were going to do that. I'm not, I'm keeping us on no, track. I, I just, we went I one, know. two, three. We just went one over. But, okay, so first one, <laughs> the first key issue is working for the weekend. Yes. When everybody's working. For... Okay, sorry. You have to stop oh, singing man. on the podcast. Yeah. You just... <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not It's not good, but now I got everybody, I got everybody singing. So somebody's singing in their I car. I guarantee you, you nobody's um, singing in their car right now. No. <laughs> Please, come on. Somebody so, is karaoke okay, with me. Then chase your dreams are. would be that you don't want to work. You want to bang on the drum all day. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. You you start that one. I'm not Actually, no, it. I don't want to hear you sing. Yeah, no, I don't want, no, no. I don't want to hear you sing. Okay, so no, chase your dreams. Second one, though. So cha- second is chase your dreams. This this second key issue. Sorry, Will. I was just going to say, um, and guys like Tim Tebow, 
that are just you know really cool you know really good guy that that kind of are are well known for this whole idea of you can really be anything you want to be go chase your dreams uh, go achieve your dreams as Jack said it's so unrealistic is the word I would use it's so you utop- I do not plan on t- on teaching my kids to chase their dreams. You know why? Because dreams are dreams for a reason. Dreams are not reality. Is it is it a bad thing to, to have something that, you know, you, you want to strive for and that you want to push for, that you want to really work for? No. But this idea of, oh, chase your dreams because it always works out, no, it doesn't. In fact, most of the time, what people dream about doing, what they really want, it just, it's not reality. And, and so we've created this false expectation, again, specifically for young people, of, you can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. I'm sorry. You can't be anything that you want to be. And that's that sounds mean. That sounds harsh. That sounds very, again, kind of... But it's real. Right. That, that's real. Again, I do not plan on teaching my, my kids to chase their dreams that they can be anything that they want to be because it's not true. And so we've got to get out of this idea of, of teaching young people this, of, of furthering this, again, just... I don't want to call it a lie, but it's it's pretty close, right? This falsehood of of you just all you guys got to do is chase your dreams, and because that'll bring you ultimate fulfillment, that'll make you happy. Is if you dream something, you go after it. Again, dreams are dreams for a reason; they're not reality. Go ahead, Joe. Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of the Shia LaBeouf. The um, references today are just no, off I, the charts, I, man. <laughs> off the charts, man. It's it's too good. Um, anyway, anyway. So what I was thinking though, as you were talking. There's a few different ways my mind was going. First off, I have a few friends. A few friends. I was just talking to one the other day. Hadn't seen him in a long time, actually. And um, hockey buddy. Both of them are hockey buddies. One was a videographer. Dreamed of working for the Avs. Well, he got to do his dream job. Worked for the Avs, doing videography, right? And it became it. It it's where his dream, kind of his his passion and his job mixed, and he ended up burning out. He's like, this is no longer fun. They're requiring things that. I thought it was going to be so much better, and he's an incredibly talented guy. I love him to death, but he, what he realized was now that the dream has kind of been realized, it's not it's not what I thought it was. And another guy is just talking, he, he got to play pro roller hockey in Spain, which is the dream, right? I mean, they, they literally paid for him to go play roller hockey. He didn't have to have another job. He got to stay in Spain. Super cool. Um, had a few friends that, that were fortunate getting to do that. Um, they came back. He came back and said, it kind of ruined hockey. He hasn't played hockey in two years. It's like, it kind of ruined it for me because there's a lot of pressure on it. There's a lot of, like, I thought it was going to be different and it really wasn't like it, it just put more pressure and made the game less fun for me. And so I say that these personal anecdotes to say, sometimes getting your dreams aren't, isn't always cracked up to be, isn't all it's cracked up to be. Uh, But the second part of this is there's a lot of parents that I think live vicariously through their kids and so this is why they skip on Sundays is my kid's going to make the majors. You know, he's going to make the bigs. And so we're going to skip on Sunday because, boy, he's he shows a lot of talent. And his, you know, his his uh, coaches are telling me that he's really got something special. And so we're going to put thousands into him going to every camp. He's going to miss a ton of Sunday, um, you know, Sunday worship. But you just don't see generational talent like this. And then the kid ends up doing what? Maybe goes, plays college ball. Maybe makes the minor leagues, bounces around for a bit. I mean, I had so many... So many friends that ended up going into minor league hockey. Did one of them make the NHL? Maybe one. Maybe one. And it wasn't even a friend of mine. I mean, I knew him. Um, it hardly ever happens. Talented kids, no doubt. But they chased their dreams right into minor leagues until they were 23, 24. Aged out. Realized they were never making the NHL. Making $30,000 a year riding buses everywhere. I mean, come on. This is the... and And... Meanwhile, their spiritual life is in the tank because we thought they were going to make their dreams. Now, somebody does, 
some Christians out there, they do end up getting their dream job, whatever it is. To your point, Will, it's not that it's wrong to dream per se. It's It needs to be based in reality. And we got a lot of kids out there who think that being a chef sounds good. And so they're going to, they have, they pass up five different opportunities from their parents or whatever else. Their grandpa owns a business. They could go into that. They can make good money. But no, I'd like to be a photographer. I'd like to be a chef. I'd like to be whatever else because that's my dream. It pays jack squat. They have no reason or they have no understanding of how hard it actually is, you know, especially as a chef, you're working hundred hour weeks. It's grueling. It's difficult. You're, you're missing work. You're missing, or I mean, you're missing church. You're missing family for those that actually make it. So they have no concept of reality, but that's their dream. So why not chase your dreams? Well, because it doesn't pay and because you can't have a relationship with God and because you can't have a family if you actually want to make it work. I mean, there's so many reasons, but nobody tells them that. Chase your dreams. It's Disney. Chase your dreams. Don't make sure they're based in reality right. first, well, please, if you're going Jack, to. Jack, I know you're about to get in here, but Willie Franklin, for instance, a friend of Focus Press I think a lot of people are familiar with, he made the NFL, right? He, he, he achieved his dream and he realized, look, I'm going to basically be sacrificing my spirituality. I'm basically going to be giving up my relationship with God if I continue to pursue this NFL dream, if I continue to be in the NFL. I mean, Sundays are their busiest days. And he he realized Sunday is, is God's day. And if I'm going to continue in this quote-unquote dream, I'm going to be sacrificing my relationship with God. And so he got out of it. I mean, can you imagine making the NFL or making the NBA or whatever and, and just – no, I'm out, you know, jumping out. That's what he did because he realized what was most important. Um, so, again, just kind of a real-life example of what you're talking about there, Joe. But, Jack, go ahead and get in. Well, yeah, just the chase your dreams thing. It, it's not, you know, always the athlete, movie star, you know, whatever big thing it is. I think, Joe, you hit on a key point there that I want to emphasize with the chase your dreams thing is your work is part of your life. And and what this is, is making it your identity. And again, like you said, parents might vicariously, oh, my kids, uh, this, that, or the other thing. Look, you know, that means I am validated as a parent. And number one, the spiritual is the most important. But number two, why this fails, why you see people get to that dream and go, well, now what? You know, I'm not happy. You, know, you see billionaires sitting in mansions, you know, suicidal. I mean, how many famous people we see drug overdoses, things like that, because, oh, wow, living the dream wasn't actually the dream. And it's an idolatry. And no idol can make you happy. An idol is a thing that you're trying to, uh, you know, uh, there's that quote about, uh, it's anything you're looking to give you what only God can give you. Your fulfillment, mm. all of that, your identity has to be grounded in Christ. And if you do that, then any job you do, and that I think goes a little bit to Paul's contentment in Philippians 4, whether I'm in jail, whether I'm poor, whether I'm rich, whether I'm, I can be content because I'm in Christ, I'm living for him. And and so your job can't be the chase your dreams identity thing. And so, like I said, I, I skipped a point too, because I think these are the two sides of the coin of That's very true. my job is terrible. I hate it. It's, it's the worst part of my week. And so I just get through it to enjoy my real identity is who I make myself out to be on the weekend, my Instagram lifestyle, my, what I'm putting out there on social media or who I am around my friends. No, you, who you are flows into your job, but it doesn't flow into the job to the degree that it like, this is what you're consumed by. You know, a job is a job and it's good and you, you do it with all your might and then you go home and then you enjoy your family, your friends, your church, you know, the other things that you do. But there there's not this division that we make it out to be, you know, of, of which one you're going to find your identity in. That's right. I think your identity is, and I deal with this with my clients a lot, I do identity rings and your identity is all of it. It's It's tied into... Your hobbies, it's tied into your job, but those are really on the outer rings. Those are some things that, yeah, it's it's part of you, but it's not 
it's not the core of you. It's not really your identity. Your identity is how you do these things, who you are, not what you do. And I think there's a key distinction there, which is why when you're talking about the person folding the burritos, that's it's both. It's not a glamorous job, and it doesn't pay enough for them to really have a glamorous life on the weekend. So if they're working for the weekend, this is why nobody wants to work these jobs. It's neither. It's not a great identity. You know, oh, wow, it's super glamorous to fold burritos. No, it's not. It's super glamorous to try to go do something else. And so they do, and then they fail, and they live in their parents' basement. Or, you know, the second would be it doesn't make enough to really fund their super fun lifestyle on the weekend, go snowboarding, go whatever else they're going to do. And so they want a job that's going to pay enough to fund that. And so this is why all these lower-level jobs have nobody. Well, and I want to speak to something, too, because I don't want it to sound like we're that we have conflicting views here on certain things because I'm a firm believer that any age, but you know, young people especially should strive for, you know, that's a phrase, strive for greatness, right? That you should try to be, that that you should reach for things that you should try to do certain things like that. And so, you know, we're not saying settle for your folding burritos job for your entire life. What we are saying is in your pursuit of greatness, so to speak, in your pursuit of, of whatever it is, excellence, don't view it as, well, I'm excellence. Excellence. Yeah. Don't view it as, well, I'm just going to do this so that I can enjoy my weekends. Don't do this so I so that I can get to the point where I can live a lifestyle of constant fun and Instagram and travel and all this. That's not really the point. And so, I, I Joe, you've got Proverbs 12, 11 on the outline. I want to read that quickly, and then I don't know if we want to jump to the next one. Um, it says, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Following frivolity, I think, is a very interesting um, concept there. I think we've got a lot of people that do that. I think we've got a lot of young people that that's what they're doing. They're, they're following their frivolity and it says that that person is devoid of understanding. Um, so I think we've exhausted the chase the dreams thing, unless you guys have anything else to, to add. Let's jump. Go ahead. All yeah. I was going to say real fast, and, and then I'll, I'll get us into the next one. Um, it comes back around to this learn to love what you do, right? To your point, Will, let's, let's take the burrito maker. I think if you're in that role, do it to the best of your, be the best burrito maker you possibly can be. You're going to be, you're going to stand out to your point, Jack, earlier. You're going to stand out. You're going to move up. You're going to be managing that Chipotle before you know it, because you know what? You took your job seriously when you were a little, little grunt, you know, and you're making 11 bucks an hour, but my goodness, you were, you were the biggest bargain of their life because though you made 11 bucks an hour, you knew how to roll a burrito and you were amazing at it and you were fast and you got and efficient and, and it's like, wow, and this applies to this guy stands out. job this is on the planet. Any job on the planet. Learn to love what you do and be the best you can. I recently heard, and then I'll get into the next point. Recently heard a great sermon on God taking people where was they're at. Was it by at. you, Joe? You, know, you look at David. You said I heard a great sermon. Was it you that preached it? <laughs> no, <laughs> but most of them are, to be honest. Most of them are. No, um, but it was it was a really good sermon of God taking people where they're at, and he used David. He used a few, but David and Goliath stuck out to me because he said, you know, David goes to wear Saul's armor. That's not what he had. What did David had? He had he had stones. He had his sling. And he goes out there, and God took him where he's at. He was delivering food to his brother, right? And he was going to go back to his dad and kind of give him some news. God takes you where you're at with what you have, and he uses you to, the, to his glory. And that's well, exactly I mean, yeah, it. That's, okay, he was ready for that because he was killing lions and bears in his job. And so, right. yeah, focus on excellence where you are. That's That's my point about your job is not divorced from who you are. Be excellent in that because it flows into everything else you are. So That's these right. next so points, I think one. we've got two more that go together. The We'll start on the, the first of the two is excused laziness. Um, like the person you said, I don't get paid enough to care or I'm worked too hard at this job. I don't like, I mean, there's, there's a My million, boss is a jerk. Yeah, I don't like my boss. My boss, you know, is is difficult or I, 
there's just a million excuses you can come up with to say, I don't have to give my best. Um, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward how we address this, but I, I want you guys to, you know, add any points, uh, anything that, that you guys think needs to be really, I don't know. I, it's just a, a thing of like, just don't do this. Don't, don't, you know, be that person that, that is pursuing excellence rather than somebody that's looking for a reason to, to not give your best. Right. I mean, don't do it is probably the best way, best way to sum it up. But again, as I kind of started this, cause this is kind of where we actually started the episode, but this is not, again, I am fully on board with, with uh, the fact that older generations have a lot to that they need to improve on, but this is typically not a problem that you see with the older generations, right? This is typically something that is a younger person issue of, again, just kind of, you know, v- Joe's talked about before, demonizing business owners, right? Like, oh, well, you know, they've got plenty of money. You know, I, I can... I. It's totally fine if I, you know, take the long break or They're good yeah, for it. I'll I'll go adjust my clock in times and and take a longer break or whatever. They're good for it. That's the point with all this is that if we can raise a generation or obviously hopefully multiple generations of young people, of people that truly stand out from everybody else, of people that, you know, you can you can look at a a group of employees, we're torturing the burrito analogy here, but you, you know, you look at a group of of Chipotle employees and you can pick out who the who the Christians are. You can pick out who the the God-fearing ones are because of the way that they work, because of the way that they conduct themselves, because they're not joining in with the I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to uh, just, you know, basically be lazy at my job. I'm going to sit around on my phone. I'm going to not put in the effort. If we can raise a generation, multiple generations of people who can, again, truly stand out, think about how much that would do for the gospel. Think about how much that would do if people can, well, that that young person, man, they've got it going on. I, I bet that person is, is, is religious or is a Christian. I'll tell a quick story, and, th- and this is not at all about me being boastful or anything like that, but it, it, it proves this point. I was working one of my first real big boy jobs, so to speak, um, was uh, working at a UPS store, just a UPS franchise. I wasn't a driver or anything, but I worked at a UPS store and, you know, it was it wasn't a fast food job or anything like that. But it was something that, you know, mediocre job, you know, you're shipping packages, you're doing some computer stuff, doing this and that. But a lot of it was customer service. And, you know, we've all been in, in inside those places where it's like. You know, you can tell the people don't want to be there. It's, you know, they barely even ask how you're doing. They barely acknowledge you. You know, my pet peeve is when you walk in the store and it takes, you know, four minutes for somebody to, to acknowledge you. Well, we had this guy that uh, was a mailbox owner. Uh, you know, UPS has mailboxes. That people can set up their business accounts or whatever. Well, he would come in regularly. And so I learned his name. And every time he'd come in, you know, I'd, I'd use his name. His name was Jesse. I said, hey, Jesse, how you doing? And, you know, just it was it was natural. Jesse, a year later, offered me a job to come work with him. Literally, our only interaction was I was get his mail for him, help him ship out a package every now and then, and I would use his name when he came in the door. Hey, Jesse, how you doing? That was it. But apparently that that was something, and again, that's not to boast or anything like that, but it's just to show look how easily it is to, to set yourself apart. That's all it took was for me to use this guy's first name to acknowledge him when he walked in the door. I wouldn't do anything. I wasn't doing anything special you know, other than that, but that's how we can set ourselves apart. Again, as Christians, as Christian young people with any job, UPS store, Chipotle job, whatever it is. And so we've got to, to get back to teaching this to our young people specifically. Well, these are two scriptural principles, right? Of, you know, faithful and little, faithful and much. We kind of do the, oh, when I get to the big time, then I'm really going to shine. No, faithful and little, faithful and much. If if you're able to excuse not working hard right now, you're always going to be able to find an excuse. 
put the time in, put the effort in right now. The other one, Ecclesiastes 9, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Why waste your own time? Uh, that's one of the other things about the, the excused laziness thing is you're paid for this. You're here. This is an opportunity to learn, maybe to build relationships like that well that you didn't even know you were building. But everything you do is is an opportunity. Everything you do is is building part of your life, building your own character towards something else down the road. There's nothing in which you're just killing time. And so do it with all your might. There is, you know, the old saying about if, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Uh, and especially if you're getting paid to do it. And that thing about, well, I don't get paid enough. I know a lot of people have that attitude. You took the job. If you want to get paid more, go in and ask for more. If they're not willing to give more, then maybe you're not worth more. Or if you are worth more, another company will pay you more. I mean, that's one of those, I don't want to get into economics too much. We might do an episode on that down the road or something. But the uh, Christian economics thing we've, we've talked about, we might get to. But the the minimum wage thing. Well, minimum wage should be $15, should be $20, should be $25. And it's like... Somebody made the point where I think it was, you know, some fast food workers were saying, we deserve $17 an hour. And, you know, the law should be that we get $17 an hour. And the point they were making is nobody on the planet that this woman was saying, I've worked at McDonald's for 10 years and I still make, you know, $8 an hour. And it's not fair. And he said, you've worked there 10 years. You've never been able to give your employer, get your employer or anybody else to give you more than $8 an hour. And so the only solution you come up with is to make it illegal for them not to. What is what are you saying about yourself? You know, like you're the one who comes the out market of the market determines not your value. Essentially, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Supply and demand. And what if there's no demand for what you're supplying, you're not going to get paid <laughs> it. So work for what you basically create your own worth. Is is the point I'm getting at here? And so you go in with that that lazy take of I'll just mail it in and, and get the minimum done. You're creating your own worth, whether you know it or not. And so, again, the scripture, faithful and little, faithful and much, whatever your fan, hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And I know there's the the spiritual application to this, but, you know, the, the worker that comes in at the 11th hour that gets paid the same and everybody box and goes, hey, wait a minute, how come he gets the same? It's like, you took the job, okay? You took the job at that. If you didn't want to take the job, go find somebody else that's going to pay more. But you took it, and so no matter what ends up happening, you demonize, once again, the business owner, the, the guy who's paying you, and... So that's the that's the biggest well, part to excuse laziness. The, but this is why it, the flight person that said I don't get paid enough for this, like that, you're 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 calling yourself a liar because you right. agreed, you signed on the dotted line that I will get paid enough to care for this. That's literally what I'm getting paid for is to care for these regulations that the company has in place. And, what, and you said, yeah, I'll do that. And then you come back around and say, no, I'm I'm not going to. Well, you're just the dishonest one in that. And so there's so right. many ways you're tearing down your own character. You've got, and that's exactly it, is your own character. This is an individualized thing. We look at it in a system, and it's like, well, in this system, look how many of us are, you know, this is why they want to unionize. I'm not a big fan of unions. No, nobody get mad at me. But, you know, the, look, individualize this. Are you going to be the best employee you can be, regardless of your boss, regardless of your fellow employees? I don't care if every other person on your floor, wherever you're working, is horrible at their job. They stink at their job. They hate their job. You have to stand. We keep hitting this because work is an individualized thing. God gave Adam work to do. He gave Eve work to do. Everybody has their own role, their own job. And no matter what happens, no matter who does whatever to you, there's no excuse for laziness. I want to get into two quick ones and we're going to move on. Two quick verses. First off, of course, everybody knows Proverbs 6, verse 6, go to the Anto sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. There's wisdom going on here, but also that hard work, right? 
How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Basically, welfare. That's that's what it comes down to. Basically, welfare. You're going to need somebody else to, to you're going to have needs arise. You're going to need somebody else to meet those needs for you because you're too lazy to do the work. Go work and work to the best of your ability. And I realize there's some people, that's a broad statement. There's some people who need a disability, whatever. I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to those who absolutely can work. It drives me nuts when you drive by, especially in this culture. I'm not going to get too much into the homeless culture, but my goodness, you drive by and there's a 40-year-old homeless man who looks like he's perfectly fine. Well, he's down on his luck and he's he's begging on the side of the road. I know there's all sorts of, they don't have an, a home address to fill out on a, you know, on, on an outline, whatever, on a resume. Yeah, there's some challenges, whatever else, but it's like in this day and age with his, how many people are really struggling to find solid employees, you're telling me that you're homeless and that's the only option you have is to go panhandle. That's literally the only option. There's mental health issues. I'm not getting into that, you know, once again, but at the same time, the point is observe the way of the ant. They work their tail off. The other thing going to, of course, First Timothy 5.8, which is... Look, if you're not willing to work, you're worse. Well, how does he say it? But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He's denied the faith. Get to work. There's no there's no excuse for laziness. There's that is no such excuse an to, to take it. The degree to which Paul takes that, you've denied right. the faith. Like that's very serious. The correlation between that. Um. Well, and then one other, of course, Second uh, Thessalonians: A man does not work, neither shall he eat. Uh, yeah. The the expectation that it you're just kind of owed you're entitled to a, an income or, or whatever it may be so yeah excuse laziness does not work and and i i mentioned these two points i think go together number four on our list is i think kind of an extension of this that we kind of hastily have come up with this backside of this point to cover for the laziness and that's there's kind of this concept that that being poor being broke is more pious now it basically the poorer you are Bible, the holier the, you are in a way yeah, and the Bible is very clear about, hey, be very careful with riches. It's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you know, like First uh, Timothy 6, Paul goes to the other side of that, of, uh, you know, teaching the rich to be content in this present life. With food and clothing, we should be content. And so be careful not to put your your trust in riches. I mean, there's a million verses about, hey, riches can trip you up. And so we've taken that to the other side to say, okay, well, you know, being poor in itself is pious. That reading is one that basically pretends proverbs doesn't exist proverbs talks about wealth will flow to the diligent and you know you're going to be worthy of of what you're going to earn what you get and and the work that you put in is what you're going to get back and that doesn't mean everybody who every christian who's a righteous hard-working christian is going to be a millionaire that's not how it works but it does mean you're going to be taken care of it does mean if you apply yourself and, and again to go back to this in this culture where literally the uh, what makes you a standout employee is simply showing up consistently in some places that's just crazy and so the opportunities to rise up in a time of laziness in a time of of incompetence and all the things that we're seeing if you as a christian apply yourself you're going to have more and you're going to and and having that more can be a blessing you don't you don't want to make it an idol but you also realize I can do something with this. I can help others with this. I can be secure. I can keep my family taken care of. I can, in an economy with bad inflation and all these things, we're having to look at 
how do I keep food on the table? How do I keep, you know, the air conditioning cool enough in my house when my electric bill is $400 a month and, you know, uh, all of this stuff. And and it's at that point you realize, hey, you know, making money is not a well, bad and we've, thing. Well, and we've talked so much before about being Old Testament shy and we, we kind of don't really... We stay away from the Old Testament quite a bit. Look at how many individuals, righteous individuals in the Old Testament were blessed by God with wealth. We're just incredibly wealthy. You know, you've got... I, I'm affirm it doesn't necessarily say it, but how how wealthy do you think Noah was to be able to afford to build a, a boat that was that enormous? You've obviously got Abraham, um, you've got David, you got Solomon, uh, you got Job is is a perfect example. You got all these, not to even mention the proverbs that I think Jack has brought up before that does not demonize wealth. That these these were righteous, these were go- uh, righteous, godly people who God blessed them. And and yes, again to add the qualifiers as we always have to do, you know. You can go astray with it. it. It can be something that can be a terrible temptation. It can be something that you can just absolutely can throw your spirituality or can drive your spirituality into the tank. But it's not something that is that we can honestly say that being poor is to be more pious or the poorer you are, the holier you are. There's so much in the Old Testament about, about wealth and about how that's something that God blesses us with. And again, Think about giving uh, the, the work of the church. Where would the work of the church be without the, the, the wealth of those who are willing to give and, and give generously? And so, yeah, I, I don't have a ton to add. We, we have to get away from this mindset, but it, it really is something that I don't think anybody might necessarily say out loud, but it's kind of pervaded our thoughts in a lot of ways. There are plenty of poor people who desire money just as much as the rich, okay? So it's we can look at it and be like, oh, wow, you know, they're, the rich are just so greedy, the 1%, and it's like, and you wouldn't kill to be part of the 1%. You don't covet their money. You're not greedy in and of yourself. Just because you're poor doesn't make you holier somehow. And I think it's so interesting. What does Solomon ask for? He could have asked for riches, and God would have given it to him. He asked for wisdom, and God goes, yeah, I'll throw in riches on the side. I think that's very interesting. He had the wisdom to go along with it. Now, the end of his life clearly had woman issues, but, um, you know, at the same time, God saw fit to bless him where he was the richest man that probably ever lived. That's very interesting that God thought, well, I'll bless him monetarily. I'll bless him physically in that way. Um, like you said, Will, I think it's just such a good point that's throughout Joseph, Daniel, we could throw so many in there that are blessed physically and monetarily being men of God, and it's because they work really hard. Do you think that God would bless somebody who wasn't faithful and who wasn't working hard right. and who was just a lazy guy? And, and he, No, I don't think so. And yes, we see the rain falls on the just and the unjust right there. I mean, some well, men... Uh, the Job thing about God gives and God takes yeah. away. You, right. know, you can work hard and, and right. get all those things. And Or in Hebrews, you know, where he says your property has been stolen from you and, and you endured it cheerfully of maybe they worked and they, they did accomplish and get ahead and it was taken away. And you're not better or worse in one or the other. And I think that was one of the things the Bible really was, was going after is just being a rich guy doesn't make you a good person. And that was right. kind of they had that view of, you know, you're blessed. Not necessarily. Just being a poor person doesn't make you a good person because we can go to the other side and be like, oh, well, if the rich isn't blessed, then the... the... No, it's who you are. And again, that's another one of those, whatever state you're in proves your character. If, right. you know, you're that hard worker at the fast food place, you're going to be the hard worker, you know, at the law firm or, or the doctor's office or whatever it may be. If you are a content generous person with and you see that i some of the most generous people i know are people who don't have anything sure it's unbelievable right. well that's the widow's uh, you know, two mites right them, in, in the new testament yeah right, right right exactly and some of the most generous people i know are people who have 
more than all of us combined, okay? You know, like, both are equally righteous in their generosity before God. Uh, they just do with what they've given. God gives, God takes away. They they give out of what they have. And so that's part of it. And, and that's what I was saying about this kind of being a way that we excuse the laziness is I'm, you know, if I don't work hard, I don't apply myself, I don't, I'm not diligent, I'm not, you know, really doing what I should on the work end, and so I don't have what I should to show for it, and you go, well, at least I'm not one of those rich people caught up in my money, like, right, right. well, maybe, you know, be maybe, shrewd in maybe. how you, be shrewd in what you're looking for is all we're saying, you know, like, it's okay to look at opportunity, to chase opportunity, and to get rich from doing it, it it's okay to do that. And as long as you're giving glory to God, you recognize he's the one that gave the opportunity. He's given you good works to walk in, Ephesians 2.10. Ultimately, it all goes back to and him. That and that you stay mindful of where away, your priorities still, are. Praise God. Right. That's right. Stay mindful. But don't think that it's wrong to look at an opportunity. People ask me, why are you a therapist? You know, why why did you choose therapy? And honestly, it was to help people. I'm fascinated with the human mind. I think it's very, you know, but at the same time, I looked around Denver and said, how many Church of Christ therapists are there? I can count on half of one hand how many Church Christ therapists are. You don't think there's money to be made when you stand out and there's only one or two or three of us total in a town of 5 million people? Like, yeah, you bet there's a lot of money there, so 3 million probably. But either way, it's okay to pursue something. Once again, that's not to be the same as you, Will. It's not well, to, to boast. I mean, that's, that's part of this you know, economy of man God has set up is that— if you can provide a skill, provide a service that is fulfilling somebody's is valuable. need, the worker's worthy right. of his wages. Yeah, there's there's a value to that. And so that's a good thing that you're helping people. You're fulfilling a need that people have. You deserve to bring the reap the benefits of that. And that's where you get into the whole, well, you know, teachers should be paid as much <laughs> as movie stars and, and athletes. That drives like, me nuts. Supply right. and demand. Now, how much of it? Right. You're filling an important need, but there's also 10,000 of you. You know, there's also... And so... Uh, like the skill that you're bringing there's not that many therapists especially within the churches of christ with a theological basis and so yeah there's a, a value to that in itself and so yeah being broke being more pious i, I think we've you, will you might have one thing to finish before i was just going to go ahead and get us here. in the last one um but what, what i did learn from this segment joe is that me and you should not demonize jack because of how much wealthier he is than us than us two you know, so. Oh, I was going to say because of how much poorer he is. No. Oh. <laughs> no, I was. Jack's, until Jack's holy. Yeah, that's true. Today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that did not help. That did not help. Um, Jack's Jack's going for the pyramid uh, the pyramid scheme Bitcoin here, trying to just get rich quick. See how it's it like is. Michael Scott. It, it, exactly. It is a get rich quick scheme. <laughs> you will get rich quick. Anyway, let's get to the last one. We are still off the rails quite a bit today. Anyway, the last one. Um, this is kind of taking the excuse laziness side of things and really go swinging the pendulum the complete other direction and that's this idea of workaholism right these and you see this a lot with with the dads that you know that work 100 hour weeks 90 hour weeks and they just they never get to spend time with their kids they never get to spend time with their family but they they love to work they're not being lazy you know they're 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 maybe they're really fulfilled in their job but they're just spending so many hours working that's 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 kind of that's all they do they prioritize their job over their family a lot of cases they prioritize it over their spirituality obviously this is swinging the pendulum again in the other direction from the laziness but this is a very dangerous thing as well and i don't think that's news to anybody but we want to get into this we're going to make this kind of the last one that we go through uh 
guys, what do y'all have to to add about this this kind of this idea of workaholism, this idea of that's where you're spending pretty much the majority of your time. Your family suffers. Your again, your spirituality suffers. In a way, I shouldn't say it's more dangerous. It's just it's certainly just as dangerous as this bare minimum lazy lazy concept of work. And on the surface, you might say, well, no, this person's working really hard. There are so many people I know that their kids' faithfulness evaporated because they were they were so concerned with making a dollar. They were so attached to their work. They never saw their dad. Uh, so, guys, what do y'all have to add to that? Well, couples, you know, that we've probably all met where the husband and the wife are working like 60 hours a week, just barely seeing each other, you know, go up, you know, six in the morning, dropping the kids off at daycare, six o'clock at night, picking them up after school, uh, you know, at, at daycare or whatever, you know, they're, they're sent to. And, you know, but boy, they've got the really big house. They got the pool. They got the boat. They got the jet skis. They got, you know, all the stuff. And man, they, they've got the accomplishments. They're going to awards dinners. You know, they're, they've got the, the plaques on their wall for all the, the hard work they're doing. It's like, yeah, somebody else is raising your kids. You don't know your kids, you know, like what, what value is there in this, man? Like, what, are we sure that, that you're really where you need to be with that? Or, you know, to the same point of not able to be at Wednesday or Sunday worship because, oh, there's more work to do. There's more money to be made. This is, you know, we we talked about being broke is not more pious, but this is one of those when either the money that comes from all the extra work or the the prestige, the status that comes from it, and sometimes those are, are very, you know, uh, hand in hand, um, that that becomes the idol in itself of what I'm getting out of all of this extra work, the the fulfillment, the adoration, the money, the the nicer house, all of the things, as we said not demonizing the rich it's okay to have you know uh to to earn and to succeed and all that but if it comes to a point where your priorities in life of your family your worship your walk with god uh serving others you can't you don't have any time for your church family i mean it's it's bad enough that they don't uh have time for their own kids that like that's priority number one but if you can't ever be around your church family and encourage and do those one another's that's a problem in itself too. I mean, there's there's a bunch of things that should come before working a million hours to have the job, to have the the money, to have all of the things that come with that. The question is just at what cost, right? Like you're working, working, working at what cost? All of these things are, are the cost of it. And I will say workaholism sounds a whole lot like alcoholism, right? For a reason. What's the problem with alcoholism? Well, there's there's a lot, but what's what's the core issue? You're running from your problems. You're running into the bottle away from your problems. I'm convinced this is workaholism, right? You are working so much to run away from whatever problems you have, deal with your problems, work through any traumas you have, any issues you have. Of course, that's the therapist talk, but I work with people who work themselves to death and you go, well, what would happen if you didn't? Well, I lose everything. I, I would be worthless. I'd be whatever it is. If that's your answer, you've got deeper issues, okay? And you are merely fueling your issues by working yourself to death because you need to come to grips with, I'm still a worthwhile individual even if I'm not working myself to death, even if I'm not working 90 hour weeks, you still have amazing value. But I'm still in First Timothy here, had my Bible turned open, of course, to five verse eight. But we have the, you know, Paul's admonition to all women in 215, women will likewise be preserved through the bearing of children. If they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint, well, who's they? In my opinion, that's speaking to the kids. If the kids continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint, the mom's role, a woman's role, is to bear children and to keep the kids faithful, to keep the kids under control, to keep the kids dignified, right? 
that's that's a big part. But then also the elders, which every man should aspire to this, right, in my opinion, that not every man will, but every man should aspire to look like somebody who could be chosen as an elder. What I have in 3 verse 4, he must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? There's the managing aspect there. So you have both parents involved. You have the woman bearing the children and keeping them, you know, in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. And you have the man keeping the kids under control and managing his household well. If both parents are working, how is that getting accomplished? It's not. If both parents are, are workaholics, that is, and don't make time for their kids and, and aren't, you know, putting that as a priority. And so workaholism, it's about finding your soul identity. Jack, you already touched on this earlier, you know, but it's about finding your soul identity in your work, in your job. And that's a very dangerous thing. You are more than just the job that you do. You're, and, and, you know, we, again, you can swing the pendulum back and be like, well, it doesn't matter at all. No, it does. But how you work matters. And if you're working yourself to death, that also matters because I don't think that's what God intended for Adam to work so hard that he neglected Eve and his entire family. It's so important that we keep a heavenly perspective with all of this. Obviously, work is a very earthly concept when it comes to you have to provide for your family. All these things that we've discussed, very physical, very earthly. And so it can be difficult to remember how instrumental Colossians 3 is when it's talking about doing your work as to the Lord. You're not just serving men. You're serving Christ. Obviously, everybody knows Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He goes into wives and husbands, kind of mirrors a lot of Ephesians 5. But then when he's talking to bond servants, verse 23, he comes down, he says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. How much differently would so many people look at their jobs, this whole notion of quiet quitting and laziness or even working too hard, how much of this might change if we realized we're serving God and Christ, not just our, not just our boss, not just our, our, our employer. This whole, my boss is a jerk, they're good for it, I'm going to stick it to them, uh, I don't get paid enough to care. How much of that would disappear from the, again, from the Christian perspective, if we kept these verses in mind, if we remembered that we're not just serving, we're not just giving our service to men, we're, get, we're offering our service to God. And, and I, I guess the question for each of our listeners and you know, those who might think they might struggle with this to ask themselves is what kind of work offering, what kind of service are you offering up before God? Is it this, this laziness, this, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really don't care enough, I don't get paid enough to care. Is it that? Because remember, you're offering that to God as well. And so, again, I think this is something that we've got to keep in mind regardless of our age, regardless of what job we're at, regardless of any of those things. We're offering our services to God as well. And so what offering are we, are we what, what service are we offering up? I want to finish because we're kind of wrapping up here. We've gotten through our outline. This is one of those where, I, man, I've just growing up my whole life, I've seen so many good Christian examples of this of people who were competent in the workplace, whether they had their own business or they rose up through a corporation or, or wherever they were, uh, who were generous with their money, who who were skillful in what they did. Like really made it a craft out of it. Didn't, you know, become workaholics and go too far with it. You know, really threaded this needle where it should be. And, and I'm really thankful for that example. And that is something that is so important that gets passed on to the next generation. As we said, I mean, this is something that is becoming entrenched in in teenagers and, and young people in college of 
it's okay to not work hard unless it's your dream job, unless it's something that you're fulfilled by, unless it's, you know, basically it's up to you whether you want to or not. No, look at the people around you. If you're a young person listening, you've got people in your church you can look at. I'm, I'm fairly certain every church I've been a part of, there's been these people you can look at and go, they are an example of competence, of showing up, of learning, of, of doing the job right. And, and that's a great example. Learn from those people. Ask them questions. Figure it out. Um, it's such a valuable thing. And again, as Christians, we're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be lights in this world. And that is one of the main ways in which we interact with the world, especially, you know, those of us that are, you know, in pulpit jobs, which I, I am for now. Uh, we'll see where uh, that goes from here. But when you're out in the world, this is maybe the main way you're going to interact with the world. And so showing them what a Christian works like, what what Christ light coming through you in the workplace looks like is a really great example, especially the darker this world gets, is to be that competent person. And number one, you're shining the example of Christ. Number two, you're creating opportunities for yourself. As we've talked about all along, that excellence in the little things is going to be noticed because man, is it rare these days. And so I, I, number one, I want to really thank Christians. If, if you're We've got people listening to this who are driving to their work, driving for their work, whatever it may be. Thank you for the example you provided. Keep working hard. Uh, you know, young people are watching. Teach your kids these things. Teach them diligence. Teach them that that accomplishing, achieving, and excelling is of the Lord. That it's a good thing. Uh, that it's not something to be ashamed of. And and standing out. You know, uh, that's the more socialist our culture becomes, the more it becomes based on dragging down any overachievers, any high achievers, bringing everyone down to the same low level. Don't settle for that. Be your best. Be that example. And and again, thank you to the people who have been that. Uh, that that was the last word I wanted to get in. Um, any yeah. final short yeah, the, thoughts, Joe? I do. Short? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yours wasn't short. And I think you had like three number ones in there. So yeah, number one. And then you came around to number one. I don't know. That you All know right, well, why don't you get started yes. on number one then here? <laughs> there you go. No, number one. But mine, I have like five points. No, just kidding. What you had mentioned, though, it's, it's you know, you're you're doing it for yourself, but also that you're you're being your best for yourself. But Ephesians 4.28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing what or with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. We're working for other people as well. We're working to take care of the other people. And if you recognize what the early church was doing, when they're giving these things up, it's because they had it. It's because, you know, they're, they're, God had blessed them and they're giving others. If you have nothing to bless people, it's okay if you're, if, if you don't, if you're down on your luck, whatever it is, but don't settle for the one always being given to. We want to work hard so we can give to others. So two things that I will say that was first. Here's another first. No, three points. Number two, for the parents, Jack, you already hit on this. I'm going to make this brief. I truly will, but your kids are paying attention. We say, how do kids, you know, why do, why do my kids say it to work? Well, how do you discuss your job? How do you how do you talk about when you come home from work? Are you, ah, oh, had this happen and this went wrong and that went wrong and my boss is doing this and wow, this is horrible and I just can't wait to go on vacation and you never talk well about your job, all the accomplishments, the things that you're working hard on and you're really giving that example to your kids. Talk well of your job. Talk well of your boss. Talk about the cool things you're able to do, and and model for your kids that this is great. God has blessed me with work. He's blessed me with the ability to keep a roof above our heads and food on the table and we're just grateful that I have a job that, you know, that my boss pays me for. I think that's really important. For the young kids, last thing, point number three, for the young kids, the advice I give, look for opportunity. I'm not completely against college. Of course, I went to college, but you know what? I wanted to be a therapist, which requires you have a master's in, in something, you know, marriage and family or, or professional counseling. 
That's what I did. I didn't go to college just to go to college and have the experience. I'm not a big fan of that. If you don't have something picked out ahead of time that this is what I need, in my opinion, you're wasting your money. This is my, this is Joe's opinion, but I think you're wasting your money. I would look for opportunity. If you have an opportunity in your hometown and somebody's offering you to be a mechanic and you're going to start at 23 bucks an hour and you've really, you're really good with your working with your hands and you really like being a mechanic, but well, all my buddies are going to college. Man, take the job. Look for opportunity. Making money is not wrong. Helping out where possible. That's that's how this is done. So if you're just going to college to extend adolescence, please don't. If you have a reason to go to college and you need it, go for it. That's my last thought for young men is just look at the opportunity. Try not to go into the same field as every other person going into it. Um, choose something that's going to that's gonna make you money and rise up in your industry where we have a bunch of Christians in high positions of authority in big industries changing society, changing the world, changing their cities, changing their towns, you know, all this. That's exciting to think about, and I think that's what we could do if, if we really stand out as Christians. So that's my last word. No, it wasn't brief, but I'm 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 not going to... At least he's consistent, right? Um, <laughs> bingo. You know what to expect. You Count on expect. long-winded so, Joe. That's right. Um, anyway. Right. Well, anyway. Yeah, well, you know, I had something, but Joe took up all my time, so I'm good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm well, good. You know, what else? Yeah, he covered it. That's a good, good way to wrap. Good way to wrap. So, uh, all right, we're going to finish there. Um, let's see. Oh, we, we've just rolled out. We mentioned it before, but we're going to remind you again, Joe's new podcast. It's a, a very short one. What are these? 10, 15 minute episodes a yep, week, Joe? Keep under 15. Yep. Yeah. Believe he it actually or not. Is not I know. Yeah. Of yeah. all the people, there you go. of all the people uh, you think. This is one of the most important works of going on in the church right now. It's it's such a big deal. I you need to know about it. The Get Out of Porn podcast. Um, Joe works with guys. He's got a, a high success rate of helping people break an addiction. Uh, the church uh, statistically, it's, we're just racked with the issue of pornography addiction. Uh, Seventy, eighty percent of men look at it at some point. Uh, addictions are high. I mean, the, the statistics are all out there if you want to look for them, but. Look up that podcast. Joe is going to work weekly through helping you overcome this addiction or, or somebody you know, your teens. You know, This is something churches need to be talking about. We've said that so many times. We had a whole episode on it. We've got to think fast on it. We've got, we want the resources out there, and this podcast is going to be maybe the best resource for helping people with that. And so subscribe to the Get Out of Porn podcast, the number three podcast on our rapidly expanding Focus Press podcast network. Number four will be coming here in a couple weeks, uh, which is also going to be really good. I'm really excited about it. Um, really excited to tell you guys about it, but not yet. But right now, get out of Porn Podcast. Be sure to go subscribe. Help us spread the word. It, it's something that people aren't real uh, uh, quick to post to Facebook, share, pe- share the word about, because the word porn is something you don't want to talk about. We need to talk about it. We need that word out there. So help us get the word out. This is a great resource that Joe's giving uh, for free. And so look it up wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week.